research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this, and Peter Schweitzer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view. This is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. Hi, I'm Peter Schweitzer, and welcome to The Drill Down, where we relentlessly expose cronyism, corruption, and the abuse of power in Washington, D.C. Now, if you've listened to this podcast and you're familiar with GAI, you know that some people accuse us of being right-wing. But today, we're going to focus on the opposite perspective. Oh, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, mandated masculine sterilization and like soybean driven cars, like leftist policies. No, no, no. In this case, I actually mean the opposite of right as in wrong, because if you haven't noticed, there's been almost an epidemic, a good epidemic of people admitting that they got things wrong. Janet Yellen, of course, the Treasury Secretary announced that she has been wrong about inflation. Uh, Big surprise to nobody. Uh, And she admits that this is part of a broader trend of government officials getting things wrong. The New York Times just admitted uh, that states that were forced mass mandates and lockdowns, there's no statistical difference in terms of the effects that they had as regards to others. Huh. So this is good. This is good. Wait, why is it good? It's good because... Powerful people that influence our society and culture who want to ram things down our throat have to admit that they are wrong because they're wrong, I think, oftentimes more than they are right. And this is healthy. This is important. And I respect people when they admit they were wrong. And that brings us to the topic today, uh, Eric, uh, which is the issue of the baby formula shortage, Uh, which would be another example of government policy gone disastrously wrong. That's exactly right. And we're going to discuss that in detail today, why we have this very troubling uh, to mothers and families everywhere shortage of baby formula, which is basically artificially created. And we want to take two perspectives on this today, don't we, Eric? Yeah, I'm a big fan of um, the idea that, you know, one of my favorite phrases is never mistake incompetence for conspiracy, (laughs) right? (laughs) It's kind of like it's kind of like your wardrobe. Like, which one is it? You know, is it an intentional choice or is it something that just continues to be just error laden? And so um, I think there's been some conspiratorial talk about the baby formula shortage, but we have done a decent amount of research on this. And there's been some very good reporting on this, actually. And it's pretty wild just how incompetent some of the decisions and the government forces have been. Uh, at almost every step of the way. And actually, it reminds me of two different things after we've looked into it. The first, just because you referenced the COVID stuff, is COVID. Because I think it's really interesting the way you say that government's a blunt force object. Right. And, you know, when it acts as a blunt force object, unfortunately, calamity ensues. And that's basically what's happened here. Yeah. I mean, think about the things that our government is actually good at doing. Yeah. Okay. Destroying countries with <laughs> weapons of war. I mean, the military is- have pu- chuckled at that. It's, it's, like, it's not but appropriate. It's, but it's, it's like that is the most uh, uh, trusted part of our government. 
government. It's mm-hmm. the most effective part of our government. But what it's what it's doing is laying waste to our enemies, which has a necessary important role. The problem is, is they don't have the subtleties or the capabilities to fix or solve a lot of problems and they get things wrong. And if you look at the baby formula crisis, it is real. Uh, more than 40% of the top brands are out of stock around the country. And in fact, we have some up-to-date data that we just sent by our crack producing staff and saying that actually some of those rates have spiked to 70% oh, wow. nationwide, nearing 90% in some states and 84% of formula shoppers report difficulty finding the product. Yeah, I have, actually have two newborn nieces. So I have uh, both my brother and stepsister are out you know, actively looking for this. And so it's a, it's a very real problem. And they report, no, they, they live on literally opposite ends of the country and it affects them where they live. That's exactly right. So if we look at this incompetence component first, because I think absolutely that's yep. what's causing this, uh, there's some very interesting things that come up. One is that there is a tariff on the import um, of baby formula at 17.5%. This is one of the reasons that the market is so concentrated. These were some policies that were adopted during the Trump administration. Uh, But it's also interesting to note that- So that tariff, what it does is it forces us to rely on domestic production. Right, right. The other reason we rely so much on domestic production is because the baby formula market is perhaps the most regulated uh, product that the Food and Drug Administration on the food side actually regulates. And because of this, I found this fascinating. There was a New York Times piece in March of 2021 about a black market a black market for baby formula. Uh, And this is what the article says. I'm just going to read a little bit about it. Baby formula is one of the most tightly regulated food products in the U.S. with the Food and Drug Administration dictating the nutrients and vitamins and setting strict rules about how formula is produced, packaged, and labeled. That sounds reasonable, right? I mean, literally you're talking about the most uh, vulnerable population in the country and the most important to our future, right? Babies. So I could see why, you know, a couple regulations might make some sense. (laughs) Exactly. Well, here's the weird part. I mean, I'm not telling you how to raise your kid, but which is funny though, because like parents can, you know, kids eating soybeans over there, right? Exactly. exactly. (laughs) I mean, there is no test to, and there's no regulation. I mean, trust me, I'm a foster parent. There's no regulation when it comes to how parents raise their kids. Uh, But it is funny that we would then have like these tight guidelines when it comes to baby formula. Yeah. Now here's the part where it gets really weird. There is actually a large black market in the United States of quote unquote unapproved European baby formula that's being bought in the United States. And I'm going to again quote from this New York Times article in March of 2021. There are large Facebook groups devoted to European formulas where parents share spreadsheets and detailed notes on ingredients on how these formulas compare to the U.S. counterparts. Some caregivers report choosing them because European brands offer certain formula options, which are rare or non-existent in the FDA regulated form in the U.S. Others seek out European brands because because the perception that the formulas are of higher quality and that European formula regulations are stricter. Now, here's the funny part. The EU actually has stricter requirements on baby formula than the FDA does. Well, that's partly true. The French baby formula is laced with Merlot. So. <laughs> right, exactly. But in all seriousness, here's the, the weird part. The EU standards are higher, right. but the FDA won't allow them to be imported in the United States. That's wild. Isn't that wild? And it's re- led to these weird uh, circumstances. So, of course, we have all these reports about uh, the Border Patrol agents, the fact that we've got masses of people coming across the border. Which, oh, by the way, the border situation is partly why we have a baby formula shortage in this country. That's exactly right. And yeah. We're going to get to that in a minute. But here's the weird part. Uh, 
the government is so committed to this that they actually have the Customs and Border Patrol people busting the importation of baby formula from Europe. Uh, there was actually a case in April of 2021 where Customs and Border Protection agents in Philadelphia seized 588 cases of baby formula from Europe because they violated the FDA's quote unquote import safety regulations. So the good news is if you're a terrorist trying to cross the southern border, chances are you're going to get through. And they'll actually hand you a case of baby formula on your way in. <laughs> exactly for your child. <laughs> but if you're trying to if you're trying to get it in through Philadelphia or somewhere else, we are going to shut that baby down. Here's what I want to know. When those uh, border patrol agents, you know, made that bus, that's two things. Number one, <laughs> when they came home, they were like, Yeah, busted a whole load of white today. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then did they take it out of the cans and put it in bags before they pose for the picture just to make him look harder? You know, no, yeah. I'm, I'm a Scarface affair. No, you're not. You're the Wiggles. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Border Patrol agents are awesome. They protect the border. But that's one of those ones when you come home, you're really not doing a whole lot of bragging right. of what you're done. But it points to the larger picture. And that is we don't have a real marketplace of baby formula. And we're not talking about baby formula from China or from Guatemala. We're talking about French or Swedish baby formula that actually has higher standards. You can't import that to the United States because the FDA wants to maintain this level of control. It's not like they have an infant mortality or infant malnourishment issue over in the EU, right? The, right. Generally speaking, their population is fairly hardy. Right. Now, you teased up when we were talking about the uh, the uh, Border Patrol agents seizing this baby formula, uh, the fact that part of the reason that we have this baby formula shortage is because of this mass influx from the border. Explain what you mean. Well, so this is kind of interesting to me, too. The, so the WIC program, right, the, the food stamp program, we've talked about food stamps a decent amount on this podcast, but WIC stands for women and infant and children. They actually account for between 57 and 68% of all infant so formula sold in the United States. Oh, wow. Right? So, I mean, it's pretty More significant. Than half. So you talk about it being a heavily regulated thing. It's not only heavily regulated, but the government is both one of the main dominant you know, enforcers of the rules, and they're also the main customer. Right. Which is really interesting in an interesting context when you think about the shortage that people, regular people are experiencing nationally. But no, it's absolutely been true that we do provide when we have immigration crises at the border, we absolutely do acquire more and more formula to provide for the people that show up at the border. So it is unfortunately reality that people that are coming to this country, not only do they not have to have a COVID test, <laughs> but, but they get they're going to get baby formula that people <laughs> in the United States can't find. That's a tough look, old Joe. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So on the one level, you've got this major problem that the government uh, is restricting and controlling access to it. On another level, you have things that you can lay the feet of the Biden administration specifically, which is the fact that they've triggered this border crisis. We've got this mass influx of people. It's led to an increase in the number of people getting it, but it goes further. Well, yeah. Some of the other interesting regulations about this is that companies compete for contracts with the states, right? We've talked about how uh, the EBT program, the welfare program is it's funded nationally, but then it's administered at the state level. Right. And so what that looks like when it comes to baby formula is the states will issue almost sole source contracts. And so they say, hey, you get rebates within certain companies, that companies that have the contracts with the states. And the rebates equal about 85% of the wholesale cost, according to a study uh, from 2011 by the United States Department of Agriculture. And so, so what does that mean? So basically, it's like, it's not free, mm -hmm. but it's a built-in clientele depend upon if you're on the WIC program. And so the stores give the WIC brands more shelf space. I mean, that's who's buying the formula, right? right? Is right. you've got, um, and there's unfortunately an interesting correlation, and this is just a side note, between, I mean, why do people use baby formula? They use it typically to supplement from breastfeeding, right. but 
there's a lot of studies that show the lower socioeconomic populations that ends up using the WIC, they end up not breastfeeding. So it ends up being, I mean, that's who the customers are by and large of right. the baby formula program. And the states, because they offer sole sources, it's basically you have one brand you can have access to. Now, it's interesting in the midst of this crisis, uh, Joe Biden, who is somebody who does this all the time, laid the blame actually at Abbott Labs, right? right. The, uh, one of the, the manufacturers, they have what, 40% of the market, something 42, like that? 42, yeah. 42% four of four main manufacturers of baby formula and Abbott Labs tends to be one of them. Mead Johnson's the other dominant one, also with about 40% of the market. So they had a situation in February, I believe this year, where one of their manufacturing plants, there was a whistleblower that came forward alleging that there were sort of widespread problems uh, that existed. I don't know if they actually confirmed if those... Uh, uh, contamination problems were, were really widespread. I think they had a couple of cases, but nobody was seriously uh, harmed. Uh, but they shut down the production of that factory. And Biden's trying to create the impression that that single factory is what caused this massive shortage, which is absolutely ridiculous in, in, in terms of what we're talking about. But there was also an incredible delay by the FDA, right? I mean, how long did it take from the time this was reported and shut down to when they actually started to tackle this issue? So the whistleblower sent, how about this, a 34-page report to the FDA about okay. all the problems in the Sturgis Michigan lab with Abbott in October. October, October, right? So, and so, if the concerns had been addressed in October, then maybe there's a chance that, hey, you know, we can kind of take more proactive measures, right? But the problem is, and they actually just had congressional testimony about it. And guess who got blamed, by the way, for the delay between the October uh, whistleblower report and the February awareness of the whistleblower report? Who? The mailroom. <laughs> <laughs> right in the mail the guy. Old, dude, imagine like working in the mailroom of the FDA. You know what right, I mean? Like it's right. not a glamorous gig. <laughs> you're punching your card. You're bringing your lunchbox. You probably got your favorite mug that you yeah. use on your break. And it's then, kind of like we screwed up. Fight Joe in the mailroom. Dude, for and blame sure. Joe. And they're 100% blaming Joe. And you know Joe's oh, just sitting there. Man, Unbelievable. Joe's going to write some nasty tweets. But anyway, um, but then and they asked like, well, wait, do you guys not have email also? And so it was kind of silly how it all came and members of Congress were able to kind of basically debunk that. Right. But no, they sent us 34 page report in October and they didn't even look at it until um, February. And then here's they the had, best. They had better things to do, I'm sure. Better it, things to do. Yeah. And here's the best part is the reason why we know that they didn't find out about it is this guy, Frankie Giannis, who's the FDA's deputy commissioner for food and policy response. He actually gets a call from the Washington Post reporter and they and the Washington Post reporter like leaves him a message, says, hey, I'm so-and-so with the Washington Post. I'd love to talk to you about this. And so this guy, Giannis, gives some pretty decent quotes. He's like, why didn't we act more quickly on the complaints in the whistleblower report? Who knew what when? Those are going to be some of the tough questions that will have to be answered. <laughs> and then it's like, all of a sudden, he realizes he's talking to a reporter because she's like, okay, well, how do you spell your name? He's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and Unbelievable. Then, and then he hangs up abruptly. More more evidence of, of competence. Right, exactly. Unbelievable. And then there's also some uh, structure stuff, right? Because he's yeah. the guy that was, he used to run Walmart's food safety program. So he's got some credibility there. But the person that made, I think, the decision to basically shut stuff down in the Abbott Labs was not him. And maybe sh it, while it should have been him, it wasn't. It was this lady, Janet Woodcock, who's a physician and didn't necessarily, she was acting commissioner uh, when they were a received a complaint and they're saying, well, maybe that's not kind of not her call as a physician and not somebody that's aware of food safety issues. Maybe she could have acted a little bit differently and more sensitively. So we're, we're, uh, we're getting into sort of the bowels right. of the FDA and how it's regulated. But, uh, as I recall, uh, there's been, uh, 
concerns or complaints about Dr. Woodcock in the past, correct? I mean, I don't know if any of it's proven, but there have been allegations of conflicts of interest that she was favoring certain companies. The point is, I think sort of stepping back is you've got these senior government officials, whenever there's a problem, whenever there's a mistake, whenever there's a failure, is anybody ever going to be held to account? I mean, do we think any of these people are going to lose their jobs, that any of these people are going to have to be held into account for what they do? It's doubtful because that's the way government works. Well, especially when you have unelected government officials who aren't necessarily then tethered to the pressures of the political free market. And so, yeah, and you've got people just making decisions. And it does show, I mean, Joe Biden can say, hey, it's Abbott Labs, but really it's your FDA right. that was delayed in terms of receiving the complaints, receiving the issues, and then acted, as you said, as a blunt force object. And when they do act definitively and decisively like that, like literally you've got now baby formula shortages across the country. Yeah. And this is the typical thing that, that government officials do. So as we talked about earlier, you cannot actually legally import uh, European baby formula because it's tightly regulated, even though, even though their standards are higher than the FDA's, we're not going to allow them into the United States. And yet when this crisis erupts, what do they do? They have this grand gesture where I think United Airlines fills up a plane with baby formula from Europe and flies it to the United States. And, and the Biden administration is trying to demonstrate, oh, look how responsive we are. You guys caused the problem in the first place. This is a government-caused shortage and problem. You caused it in the first place. So I would just encourage people, don't fall for these grand gestures. All administrations do it. Most politicians do it uh, because this is what they're good at doing, trying to manipulate our perceptions of what's going on. But you have to focus on the facts and the truth and the realities of what's actually uh, taking place and why we're in this situation. So that's all the, the incompetent piece of it, right? We've yeah. got um, and it is fair, you know, Trump issued these tariffs because he's trying to promote domestic production. Right. You've got regulations that make us more reliant on domestic suppliers. And then at the state level, you've got incentive structures that make us even more reliant on only one production. And it's sort of also similar to the oil industry in the sense that the baby form people are like, look, man, you guys are changing the conditions of right. the operating system all the time. We want certainty. Right. Right. If we knew what the environment would look like, then we would be producing more. And, you know, I mean, we're right. free market. We want to make money. Yeah. And so you hear the oil companies actually make uh, the same state. And so it's interesting to think about the baby formula shortage in the context of we're also experiencing gas price hikes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and just interesting to, to see some of the same, I think, market forces impacting different products. So those are like the incompetent part of it, right? right? But we said, hey, there's never mistaken competence for conspiracy. So now we need to cue the Twilight Zone music. This right? is wild. And, and just to be very clear, <laughs> we have no evidence that they're related. That's why it's correct, a conspiracy. Correct, and correct. in fact, politic PolitiFact, thank you, PolitiFact, has come out and said, there is no evidence right, that right. this is true. Now, <laughs> no evidence doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It's just we haven't found it yet. Right. But it is funny. And I'll just say it's funny. That at the same time that we are experiencing this national baby formula shortage, right? No less than Bill Gates, uh oh, Mark Zuckerberg, oh wow, and Jeff Bezos, oh man, all three of them, all three of them have this investment fund that they've co-founded, right? And Richard Branson, by the way, okay, dude, like what are the how is how baller are those guys? <laughs> just as an aside, like what? <laughs> and no, you're not going to tell me they're actually trying to create a baby formula. So they have uh, invested in this thing called. BioMilk, which is the company that artificially produces human breast milk from cultured human mammary cells. What? Wait, but, wait. But here's what? the thing. Here's the thing. Here's why they're doing it. They're not doing it as like a free market. Hey, baby shortage. We want to feed you know babies. They're doing it in an effort to limit greenhouse gases <laughs> created. 
by the manufacturer hey, of baby formula. Hey, anybody that's had a baby knows that greenhouse gases are re- reality of the baby process of the baby process. Absolutely. So literally at the same time, we're having this crisis. You've got all these powerful uh, icons of American commerce that are trying to create. And, and this is, so this is actually, this is not a formula. This is not, what is this again? Describe this again. I'm trying to figure out how they actually make this stuff. It's, fa- it's, it's made in a lab. It's basically fake breast milk, fake breast milk. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, made from cultured human mammary cells. So, Man. Uh, but, it, so, but it is funny to think the whole, from an incentive structure standpoint, and this is one of the things people worry about. I mean, they say that they make the same point about gas prices, right? They say, Hey, gas prices are high. Eventually people will drive less. And the question become, well, is there actually an incentive structure to lower gas prices and, and let people drive more? If the people that are running the country have these ideals and these positions that actually think that because of the pollution and because of the global warming that we're trying to encourage people away from that and will they use high gas prices as an effort to force them into electric cars or away from relying on their gas or diesel powered automobiles and there's some people that have said no we absolutely want to do that yeah they're trying to push us and nudge us in the direction they want us to go and and they're sort of creating uh, treating us like lab rats right we got to train you to do the thing we want you to do uh they're certainly doing that in energy and i mean you know who knows i'm i'm sure that the investors in this company love the fact love the fact that there is a crisis like this because it's going to create a potential commercial opportunity for this weird ass product that they're introducing it's, I gotta, it's actually not a weird ass product no <laughs> <laughs> Well, here's here's the part that's weird to me is like we are moving in this direction in this country towards like organics and all natural. And they're like, no, no, no. We don't want you to use breast milk. We don't even want you to use a plant-based right. breast milk based off of soy. We want you to actually feed your child something creating in a laboratory. I mean, this is insane. It's like the fake meat stuff, but they're like growing. It's like not even like the veggie meat. They're like growing <laughs> right. fake meat. Dude, it's weird. The stuff that these guys are into in the name of like not greenhouse gas producing products. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting next decade. And you should be a little troubled, I think, uh, by the people that are behind it only from a, hey, man. Absolutely. We got high prices. We got shortage of this material and we got the people that maybe sort of run the country in the behind the scenes kind of way coming up with an alternative that seems weird. Uh, Just pay attention. Well, I tell you, when I studied economics in college, the first thing my professor taught me, first thing we learned the first day was incentives matter. Oh, absolutely. And so the fact that you've got these guys invested in this business, they see this as a future. It's an opportunity for them to make money. Uh, to maybe advance some cause. I don't know what the cause would be, but some, well, I guess, you know, dealing with greenhouse gases, uh, they like the fact that this crisis exists because it's going to, in their mind, create evidence and proof that we need to have their product. The good news is I just want to bet with myself because I was like, hey, within 25 minutes, Schweitz is going to flex on his academic curriculum from college. <laughs> oh, economics. Oh, <laughs> and what did you learn in English literature cra- class on this subject? How to be better at my native language. There you go. That's there right. you go. And you're, you're, you're pretty good. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, you've joined us on The Drill Down. We appreciate it as always. Uh, you can find our other podcasts at thedrilldown.com. You can find uh, Eric's terrific book, Frog on election fraud on amazon.com where you can also find my book red handed i love how we're like hey jeff bezos is like creating this new scary go to amazon go to buy our books on amazon though (laughs) just don't buy the baby (laughs) for thanks for joining us